The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are only those of the participants and not necessarily those of Village Presbyterian Church or the PCUSA. Welcome to this week's episode of Millennial Ministry, the podcast for young adults of Village Presbyterian Church. With me is Hallie, Trenton, Cam, and special guest Tom. So today, what are we talking about, Hallie? We are talking about our confessions. This is this fall time where we've been using Theology Thursdays to talk about our book of confessions and to begin to practice and imagine what it means to say we believe, what that has meant throughout our history and what that means for us here and now and today. I have to confess something. <laughs> yes, Kim. <laughs> what are the confessions? Mm, such a good question. Thankfully, Pastor, Pastor Tom, Tom is here. <laughs> Enlighten us. <laughs> So confession, it's a good question. Confessions are written statements of belief that in in our church, the church has actually put forward and said, these are statements that we think are important. And said last time, we have a book of them. So, so we don't have one statement. And what's important about that is if you had one, you could be tempted to think what we're saying is we've got the answers. When you've got a collection of statements, then you're not saying we've got the answers. You're saying the church at a particular time and place made its best effort to say, this is how we understand the faith in our time and place. And we offer it to the larger church as our expression. And so I like to think of the confessions not as being right in what they say, but being honest, being an honest expression of the understanding of God in a particular time and place. I find that very engaging for me because they talk about God. And I think when you're talking about God, unless you happen to be God, some humility is in order, right? Mm-hmm. And so we can't, we can't be sure we're right, but we can endeavor to be honest in what we see and experience and trust. And that's my read of what the confessions are. I don't understand, like, how did they... How did the church come up with the confessions? Was it just a bunch of really smart people in a room that were like, this is, like, how does that even get started? So we'll talk a little bit. Part of why we are, um, part of that answer is why we're doing this series is that confessions are never because people are bored. Um, it's always because uh, there's a there's a moment in our history where it feels necessary to name what we believe, either against other things that are happening in the world or because of confusion or chaos or dissent um, of some kind. But it's always in moments that feel chaotic that these statements emerge. It's part of why we are looking at these in this moment is because we continue to confess um, as a community here that these are chaotic days that we are living in. Um, And for me, for my own self, my own understanding of confessions, these are documents that help us to remember that we've been here before, that we've been in chaos before. And it's not a time to abandon what we believe, but actually to claim it with some more enthusiasm than in maybe other moments. In some ways, historically speaking, confessions have been religious peace treaties. That the church, we think the church now is calm and kind of unified, and it's it's not. We're still fighting with each other. We do it intellectually now. We, we discuss and we argue and debate. Um, and our, some of our sibling denominations, like the Methodists, are doing it right now. But I think that when we think about confessions, so the uh, Nicene Creed, 
um, some of the confessions that came over here, religious groups were fighting with each other. And they were trying to be the voice that spoke for God as they were saying, we've, we've read the scriptures, we've interpreted, we know what this is supposed to be. And when that happens, humans like to fight each other. And they used to fight each other over religion with violence. But this was the way they made peace because they found a way to, to unify. They found a way to come together and say, we can agree on these principles. And I think that that's kind of a good way to look at them, that they are, they are things we can hang on to because they're things that have come out of conflict. They're things that have come out of disagreement and strife, that this is how we made peace with each other and how we made peace with our understanding of God. I think it's a great point. It, I think it raises a point, not just about the purpose of confessions, but what's supposed to happen in our lives when we talk about God? What, what's supposed to happen in our lives, in our community, when we talk about God? Um, and I, I think the, the temptation, the dark side of confessional statements can be when they're used not to build a bridge or a peace mm-hmm. treaty, but to build a wall mm-hmm. and say, to, to be on my team, this is the language you have to use. Mm-hmm. But if language about God is not to build a wall, but is couched in kind of like it's a love letter, mm-hmm. um, it, it's trying to build bridges and to find connecting points, that's what should happen in all of our speech about God. That should be the intent behind it, which means it's written not just to say what I think, but also to express it in a way it can be heard. Hmm to be attentive to the one who's reading or hearing or in conversation. That's when talk about God's at its best. Didn't you have a pre-assignment to have your favorite confession? Wasn't that a thing? Is that a thing or am I making that? I was assigned that. Yes. And I dodged, I dodged because I said, I I like the fact that we have a bunch of them, but but I I can can say that that my, my favorite is actually not an official confession. But it was written by the Southern Presbyterian Church in 1977. It's called the Declaration of Faith. And it has the best language in it for me. It's a document, what would you say, Hallie, for study? and Yeah, we adopted it in 1985 as our denomination, as the PCUSA, just for study, liturgy, and inspiration. So it's not an official confession, but it is worth reading and studying and being inspired by. So can I give you a paragraph of it? Yeah. Jesus lived a truly human life. Jesus was what we are. He grew up in a family and a society troubled by the common problems of the world. His knowledge was limited by his time and place in history. He felt deeply the joy of friendship and the hurt of being rejected. He was like us in every way except sin. Jesus was what we should be. He served God with complete trust and unwavering obedience. He loved all kinds of people and accepted their love. In constant dependence upon the Holy Spirit, Jesus allowed no temptation or threat to keep him from loving God with his whole being and his neighbor as himself. I like that a lot. I do too. What what jumped off the page at you the first time you read that? Like, what was it about that that made you like it so much? I loved reading a confession that said Jesus' knowledge was limited by his time and place in history. It named the finite, it named the limits mm-hmm. of being a human being. Um, I love that. But it also names that the Spirit of God is in him, and I believe that to be true, too. Mm-hmm. It is kind of strange to think about, like, Jesus in the flesh. I'm just, like, like brushing his teeth in the morning, mm-hmm. you know? 
in a way, like, God could have, like, wiped, wiped sin from the world in, like, different ways, I guess, right? I mean, he's God. I know this is, like, weird outside-the-box thinking, but, like, he chose to Jesus, like, his son. That was his bridge, in a way. I don't mm-hmm. know. I think that's kind of interesting. I think that's the sign of a good confession, is that it makes you think and ponder and wonder, and even if you don't agree with a statement that's uh, that's written, it makes you wonder why and how and what must have been happening in that time and place. And It's kind of, uh, reading a confession can be kind of like sitting down with a grandparent or a great-grandparent and saying, how did you see the world? Mm-hmm. Um, it's a different time, it's a different place, and you're not going to see the world the same way they do, but your perspective of the world can be informed by their wisdom. And it isn't about, did they get it completely right? It's what insight can they offer that can help us be more faithful in our understanding of God Mm -hmm. in our own time. And some of our grandparents talk with really funny language. Mm -hmm. What would you say to a young adult that, well, you're looking at one, but like, (laughs) I've never even opened the book. of. I have another confession that I've never even opened the book of confessions. This is actually the first time I've even heard about the book of confessions. So this is all fresh to me, which is good. But like, where do you start? Like as somebody that's like seeking understanding, where do you start? Do you just like open up and start reading like it's a story or like, how do you even digest the book of confessions? That's a great question. I would say the most important thing is to do it like you're doing it now, which is in conversation with other people. Mm-hmm. Because the book of confessions is going to raise all kind of questions. Would I say it like that? Do I understand it like that? There's also like some scholarship in it. Um, like Trenton was, you know, offering, you know, the Nicene confession was a peace tree. Mm-hmm. Understanding how it was functioning influences how you interpret the language itself. What was the big question of the day? The question they're trying to address may or may not be questions that are really front and center for us now. So if you had to, we're, we're working towards this, and, and every week that we're talking about different confessions, we're kind of wrestling with language that if we had to compose a document like this, if we had to make some statements in this day, kind of how we would do that, what we would want to be included. So Tom, do you have language, thoughts, ideas that you would want to be ensured were included in a confession for our time? I hope a confession would ask what does the world need from people of faith? And how could we articulate language to speak to that need? I think we're in very binary times. You know, truth is either this or it's that. Um, I think we're in very fearful times. Um, I think, I think, you know, young adults are asking serious questions about uh, economic questions about the climate, um, about you know the role the role of, of faith around the world, and so I think a confession to be an expression of love for people needs to take those questions seriously and try to speak to that. Uh, I kind of sidestepped your question. I mean, you asked me for language or phrases. I think it's important, but I think where I would start is what does the world need from the church. So I think confessions, one thing that I do think is interesting about this is, and it's like you just asked, it's an act of, it's an act of admitting that you don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that something we talked about with the, our group on the first night, and if you weren't there, catch you up, 
is the idea of the communion of saints. Mm -hmm. And there was some confusion over that. So if you weren't there, the communion of saints is this idea of being connected to all who have gone before and all who will come after. That we as Christians are spiritually connected to them, that we exist in this great this great body. And I think that the confessions are kind of the thread that binds us. Mm. And that yes, it's a time machine and it's but it's also it's also this great support system. And we may not agree with everything that's in all our confessions now. Mm. I have some disagreements with stuff in the Apostles' Creed. Mm. But I think that we understand that it's okay to wrestle and it's okay to question and we know that when we are what is it classic citizens uh, we'll probably write a confessions affirming the right of all to get married. And in 200 years, they're going to write confessions dealing with issues we haven't even thought of yet. And so it's this great cosmic thread that until Christ comes again in final victory, we're going to be wrestling with this stuff and we're going to be struggling with what it means to, what it means to know God and to know, to know Christ and to know each other. And so it's, it's a evolutionary thing. The other thing about confessions is if they're just about ideas and what we think about God, they've missed the point. Because Christianity is not just an intellectual exercise. It's a relational exercise. Mm -hmm. um, and this declaration that I love so much, it ends this way. The people of God have often misused God's promises as excuses for doing nothing about present evils. Mm -hmm. But in Christ, the new world has already broken in and the old can no longer be tolerated. We know our efforts cannot bring in God's kingdom. I love the humility of that. We know our efforts cannot bring in God's kingdom, but hope plunges us into the struggle for victories over evil that are possible now in the world, the church, and our individual lives. Hope gives us courage and energy to contend against all opposition, however invincible it may seem, for the new world and the new humanity that are surely coming. That's, that's a pretty brave yet humble statement about how the church ought to be in the world that was written in the mid-70s when everyone was still kind of about bell bottoms and doobie brothers and disco music and i like that grandparent mm -hmm. i like that about this church is that and and i know there's many churches out there that are this way but it's it's love first all the other stuff can fall in place the problem if if your your church hangs together because of shared thought, you're on the road to a smaller and smaller community mm. because the church is never held together because we think alike. I mean, if thinking alike is the basis of the church, pretty soon it's just going to be like you and your spouse and your spouse is going to have questions. Right? I mean, it's just getting smaller and smaller and smaller. The miracle of, of the church is that we are drawn together because we're called, because there's a relationship there, and we think together, not that we might all get on the same page, but that we might find a place to listen from one another and communally grow in our understanding of the movement of God in the world mm -hmm. today. We confess often that you cannot be Christian alone, mm -hmm. and we find that to continually be It's true. impossible. I mean, if the practice practice of Christianity is love, there has to be another. There has to be another. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Love love doesn't love isn't an abstract thing. It only shows up in relationship. There has to be another. Um, yeah. So you can't do it by yourself. That's right. That was said by a theologian named Shirley Guthrie. And Shirley's a he. <laughs> so 
Lorraine and Shirley Bond. (laughs) (laughs) Lorraine is also a he, (laughs) we think. Well, thanks for tuning in today. I will remind you to subscribe to Millennial Ministry on iTunes or Spotify or find us online at villageprezya.org.